David. Yes, Graham. I've Hello. got big news for you. Do you? Yep. Oh. Uh, I have to wait. tell you, um, I've started investing in stocks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, beef stock, chicken, vegetable. Uh, yeah. oh. One day I hope to be a bullionaire. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a soup joke. Uh, no soup for you. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was worried about my joke. For this week. Oh, no, now no, it seems better. less concerned. <laughs> three and a half? Three and a half? Yeah. Okay, let's go no. with three. You, okay, three? Okay. Let's okay. go with three. All I right. don't want to... Being self-critical, is, assessing yourself properly is always wise. Well, I've been thinking a lot about um, what the best name is in the solar system. And, you know, I, I've been thinking Saturn. You don't think it's I Saturn? I have been thinking Saturn. Oh, you think it's Saturn. Yeah. That's a pretty good one, yeah. It's just got a nice ring to it. Uh, uh, why are you, how are you worried about that? That is a prime joke. That is a that is a gold uh, clad joke. Three A gold 3.75. I'm going to give it a five. Okay, <laughs> that's acceptable. I accept that. A good round number. Thank you, thank you. All right, you know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. <laughs> Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown-worthy jokes. Featuring your favorite authors and illustrators, none of whom I should add are grown-worthy. It's part book club, part game show, and it's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. I'm Graham Pittman. And this... You say that like you're not sure. You kind of looked at me like with doubt in your, in your face. I'm never sure of much. And that is one thing I am almost positive of. Almost positive. But I like to get, you know, I like to test the water and make sure. <laughs> right. I, you, want, you need me to just confirm I need it. confirmation. As yep. far as I know, you are indeed Graham Pittman. All right. We'll check again next week. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. This is the third episode, the threeth episode of the fifth season of Withy Windle. That phrase had a lot of in it. Mm. And this week, our very special guest is the one and only Daniel Nyeri, who's making his return voyage to Planet Withy Window, <laughs> keeping with my space theme. He was on a voyage uh, last time. I think he was like, wasn't he, was he like stream. touring the national parks or something? I, I think so. He was touring the country in a windstream. Somehow, something, some, some places. Just riding the wind. That's right. The stream of the wind. Anyway, uh, speaking of riding the wind, you are uh, listening to a podcast where we talk to Daniel Nyeri, and then we do a bunch of other stuff. We're going to do things like. Oh, uh, lazy words. Uh, we're going to have a riddle at the end of this yeah. episode. We're going to have a story. Snack time. Snack time. We're going to have all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, sponsors. Sponsors. Sponsor reads. Do you do you have one this week? I just I, feel like <laughs> I want to make sure that I don't want to short shrift any of our sponsors. I don't have... Uh, no, I don't have any um, details on any oh, you're just secret sponsors. in the fire, possibly. But. There might be some stuff coming later this okay. season. But okay. Not, not, on, not on episode the threeth. Got it. Okay. Well, then I think we should tell everybody about a book that we think is great. It's a book for kids who like knights. I don't know. Princesses. Wizards. It's mm -hmm. uh, from our friends over at Cersei Press, and they have a new collection of Arthurian legends that is coming out this spring. It includes some of the most beloved tales, like we talked about this last week, like The Finding of the Sword and the Stone, uh, Excalibur. Yeah, also some lesser known ones, though, like the tale of Balin and Balin, two brothers who accidentally fight each other and maybe even kill each other. Uh, there's also a story about a young man who wants to be a knight but has to prove himself worthy, even while a young maiden asks him to do silly things. 
This is a very special version of Arthurian stories because it's designed specifically for reading aloud. It's got some questions to ask while you read if you want to use those, and then also some questions at the end for further thought if you want to use those. Makes reading aloud as a family engaging and simple and allows you to experience the King Arthur stories in a totally fresh new way. Graham and I both worked on this book a little bit. We worked on some of the design of it, so um, we are excited to be able to share it with you. Yeah, all that's well and good. All You know, it sounds great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, whoever you said it, just whoever designed, you just buy it because that cover looks so good. And whoever designed it should get a medal uh, or a trophy filled with a trophy filled with medals and some candy, like some iron, some bronze. No, those no, kind of medals. No gold. Oh, gold. Okay, because <laughs> some gold bullion. Yeah, or <laughs> copper. You can sell that. What if they fill it with like uh, stock? Stock. Oh, uh, a trophy that you could drink. Uh, beef, stock. beef stock out of yeah. I'm I'm in every trophy that's every trophy eat, not to move on to snack time but do you eat do you drink beef stock N- only when there's noodles in it okay so you so you'll eat soup is what you're saying yeah but you're no not ramen, one of those people who right? drink just pure bone pure broth bone broth to David we have a segment I don't show. know why I asked <laughs> <laughs> where we talk frequently about the amount of skittles we eat so no I'm not eating bone hey, broth where should people get this book <laughs> oh good question you will go to searcyinstitute.org slash store, or you will click the link in the show notes, and that will take you directly to the book. You know, speaking of those show notes, we should tell people there are show notes on whatever podcast app you use, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Pocket Cast pod, uh, or pod, pocket Pandora or uh, Planet Pod or, or just... You could go to Stitch McGee. <laughs> That's not one. I don't Stitcher. Stitch, Stitch McGee is not one that I'm aware of. But you can also go to withywindle.substack.com, and that's the new HQ of this podcast. So we posted all the episodes there. Yep. Posted a, a coop de loop uh, image Graphic. there. Yep. We're going to, well, do we spill the beans now? Spill We're them. Gonna, spill them. So Daniel Nyeri, who we uh, you will hear interviewed shortly actually sent us a, a dessert recipe. That's right. Well, you know he's really into food. He was a pastry chef, and he sent us one of his very favorite recipes. That is posted over on the Substack now that this episode is up. So that is posted, and then we will post... Uh, I've We've gotten drawings from over the years now. We should say years, So we're going to post some years. of our favorites. Post some favorites over there. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun place. You can... Windywindle.substack.com? You can... Um, uh, you can like the image... The posts... I guess that's fun for some people. Commenting is the better. You thing. can share them. I've we've seen some comments so far. You can interact with other people who listen to the show. That's right. Comment on their comments. We get a comment section going. Uh, I believe that's called a dialogue. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of great stuff over there. Uh, all right, back to the uh, round table here. Yeah. Let's say we are both been transported back to what the 12th century. Much earlier than that for King Arthur, but yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, okay, let's say the 800s. There you go. Um, we're not going to do so well. Let's say we become knights somehow. Okay, so we have, well, because we've pulled a sword out of a stone. We, or yeah, a, we're, but we're, we're not in like great shape. We don't enjoy the armor. What are the snacks situation? What are we doing for snacking? Let's you know say what? we have we don't have a podcast, but we talk to a tree in a forest. We're, so we're talking to snacks. an ant. So you know what? We might have a related solution 
in this week's snack box. All right, let's do it. So snack I'm going to grab it. So it's snack time. And I'm going to grab this box because some friends of ours sent us a box. Oh. They do it every year. Can you guess who it is? This would be... Well, I don't want to guess wrong, though. That's true. If it's wrong, Logan, you got to take it out. Or just or just uh, uh, bleep it out. Is it the Crofts? It is the Crofts. So our friend, the Crofts, they sent us this box, which I have not opened yet. It says... Hey guys, we're so excited for a new season of Withy Windle. Yeah. Enjoy the snacks. We made you some homemade dragon claws. Dragon claws. Dragon claws might just be helpful. Yeah. As a snack in King in Arthurian times. I don't know if they had chocolate yet, but I'm just assuming they're chocolate. I have no it's idea. It's your fifth season. This note says, "Go and celebrate because you're the bomb." To David and Graham from Matthew and Maddie, and then they drew a picture of a party bomb. <laughs> It's a party bomb. Okay. I'm glad they put the word party there. This package could be... I'm glad it's not a dead leaf. Okay, let's go. We're going to do some of the more familiar things first, because I'm opening this, and I'm seeing some things that you're going to be very happy about. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, so we got uh, gummy worms, and this brand is not Haribo. It is Albanese, which is like... Uh, high, they're like the high High-end. They're, they're the posh. We also have... Some Starburst jelly beans. Oh. Which you which I think at this point everybody uh, knows we're fans of. Yeah. I actually like those better than Skittles. Well, okay, let's not let's not go too far here. No, I'm I'm let's not say things we can't take back. You Skittles get a little Skittles get they get a little sometimes you get that one that's a little bit tough. Nope. Okay. Uh we also have spicy ranch crackers spelled with a K. I think we had those last time, or maybe there was something else. And maybe we just were liking them so much that they sent us another another batch. Delicious. Wow, this is so good. Okay, here we go. These must be the dragon claws. They're in Ziploc bags. They look homemade, and there is indeed chocolate involved. Okay, so I, I can tell we've got a bugle. Yeah, it looks When's like... When's the last time you had a bugle? It's been a minute. Yeah. Literally a minute. I had one <laughs> one minute ago. <laughs> oh, I see the crumbs there. Okay, so it's a. it looks like a bugle with maybe chocolate and peanut butter. I think that's what it is. It and looks it, like a uh, dragon uh, claw. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we should take a picture of these Let's, and post yes. them somewhere. Um, what are you going to eat first? We should take a picture of our whole spread. We should. And, uh, so people actually understand why um, we, we, we feel so tired and overweight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you, are you, oh, gonna, I got to open mine. Yeah, let's let's have one of these. Let's try them. So we got a bugle with pe- yeah, peanut butter and chocolate, it looks like. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's right. Salty, sweet. It's perfect. And if I was riding my horse yep. in annoying armor through the woods, uh-huh. this is exactly the kind of snack I would want. Yeah, and you would want your squire to lift your visor. <laughs> Right. And throw them into your mouth. Maybe like once a minute. You just get a new dragon claw. Actually, being a knight sounds pretty good. <laughs> I have to say. You just have Squire Jeff lifting your visor, yeah. tossing snacks into it. Yeah, as you go from castle to castle and uh, to get more dragon claws. Right, exactly. Each you, we'd be, in fact, you, one would assume that what really was happening during the Middle Ages, all these wars, they were being fought because people were. Yeah. They were going for dragon claws. Well, they needed the peanut butter. It's the raw materials. It's always the raw materials. That's right. That's right. Well, let's take a quick break. Let's eat some more snacks. Open up these uh, spicy ranch crackers and some of this candy. And uh, we will be back uh, after we have um, gotten a stomachache. So just one second. 
Okay, we are back with the segment that um, no no knight mm-hmm. riding on a horse to battle would ever, um, would ever skip. Because no, they'd never overlook it. And, and any podcast worth their salt would have a lazy word segment. Have a segment because you, you're solving the, the wrongs of the world. So if you listen to podcasts and they don't discuss, they don't have a full segment called lazy words, then I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> here we are. I have another podcast that doesn't have lazy words. I may have to um, remedy that. I'd say you need to write them a strongly worded letter. So last week, we proposed mailman and mailbox as being incredibly lazy words that needed to be corrected. And I stand by that. Did the kids agree? The kids agreed. Jeremiah says... Instead of postman, it should be called post adventurer and the stamp box. Rhiannon says a mailman should be called special delivery, which I love that. Hey, look, you know, he's walking down the street. There's special delivery. Uh, and a mailbox should be called a nest because the mail makes a temporary home there. That's kind of sweet, yeah. Uh, Riley thinks mailman uh, should be renamed as well. He thinks it should be called. He they should be called an incredible deliverer, incredible deliverer of insightful information, <laughs> or package person. <laughs> I think package person isn't solving it, but the first one, an let's incredible go deliverer of insightful information. Yeah. So I D I I. I. Itty. Itty. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tiana thinks um, they should be called the book cetera because he brings my book orders and other stuff, and other but stuff. mostly books. Book cetera. Okay. I like that. And she thinks mailbox should be paper shelter. Uh, Isaac and Charlotte, uh, the bringer of words or the bringer of hope or the bringer of joy. I like that. Or maybe it's all three. It's like a very long title, like a medieval title. <laughs> Uh, and then the Nygards, um, they say, though it's still lazy, we want to bring back the term letter carrier. Mm. And if more people started writing letters to each other, the mailbox can be called the friend finder because you'll find a letter from a friend there. Mm. That's also very sweet. Yeah, it's very pleasant. People are, people are yeah, feeling, you know, very positive on this one. <laughs> they must not get as much junk mail as I yeah, get. Yeah, bills. Uh, okay. Uh, this week. But did you know that you have been pre-approved for oh, a new loan? I am aware. <laughs> and that my um, my car warranty, they've been trying to reach me. <laughs> but renewing that. It's um, okay, though, because the interest will only be 38%. Oh, dear. Okay, this week? Yep. We got one. I've been I've been looking at it for a while. Um, I, it makes me so upset. Kind of circling it. It just makes me so upset mm. that... I actually no, that's wrong. It doesn't make me upset. It baffles me. That's a better word. It, it baffles me. Baffles is a better. It's less lazy than upset as a word, and it's more honest. Uh, okay, so we've got, let's say, typical American household. Okay, you've got your kitchen. You okay. got your bedroom. Okay. Also, there's a lazy word for you. Um, same with living room. Uh, same with dining room. <laughs> um, we got all these lazy rooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but in your living room, you got a sofa, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you got some nice chairs in there, you know, for your watching your shows. Mm-hmm. Very lazy word there. We've addressed that one before. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you kick your feet up. Maybe you don't have an ottoman, mm-hmm. but maybe you have a hard 
table. And on this hard table, uh, you've got maybe you put some books, maybe you put some drinks and stuff. This hard table that goes in front of everybody's sofa or couch has a name. Are you talking about a coffee table, per chance? A coffee table. Mm. Okay, so coffee table, not only a lazy word. Why? Why is it just coffee? Are you usually watching, you know, The Mandalorian with a cup of coffee? Or, no. uh, uh, well, well, I'm not. I, I, could, I love coffee. I'm very rarely in my living room using with your the coffee table yeah. for a coffee. It's, so so it's, a, it's a misnomer at this point. And we've also, we've also doubled down on it because we call them coffee table books. Oh, no. So the <gasps> table is really a place where you display books or you put your feet on it. Those are the two things so that usually happen. leading out into other sectors. Right. This, we're, we're in trouble. This really needs a solution. But don't you agree? Like, what in the world? Yeah. It's two purposes are to put your feet on it. Yeah. Or to display books. And I'm okay with table. We can go with table. It'd be better if we just gave it a one word that was cooler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A coffee table. So I think it's a wrong word and a lazy word at mm. the same time. Mm. Hence the bafflement. We need help. Yeah. Help unbaffle. Yeah. Graham. Debaffle. Let's debaffle, Graham. Um, let's, let's rename. Think about what you use your coffee table for and, and help us rename what coffee table should be because it's ubiquitous first. Yep. Everybody calls it this. Everybody is, everybody's in agreement that we'll just call it a coffee table. We, we just need We've to correct this. We've accepted this as a culture. We all know it's wrong. So how can kids solve this cultural disaster? So you will write us in at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com with your uh, suggestion of what we should rename a coffee table to, or click the link in the show notes, head over to our Substack, and leave a comment on this week's episode you can leave it there, and maybe you'll see some other people of what they what they are suggesting as well. It's a great idea. All right, Graham, that brings us to the end of Lazy Words. Good job by you, solving the world's problems. I try. A knight in shining armor and so forth. <laughs> Coming up, story time. So that means we got to gear up for that. So we're going to eat some more of these dragon claws and uh, be back in just a second. All right, Grant, we are back with story time. Graham can't speak right now because his mouth is full of Starburst jelly beans. Um, I, I, it's, you know, we're going to do something a little unusual here. Usually the last season and plus, we have swapped weeks of sharing a story. But I'm going to share a story for the second week in a row. You cool with that? I am okay with this. I found one that I thought would be fun to share on this podcast, and it is from a book called Celtic Tales... Fairy Tales and Stories of Enchantment from Ireland, Scotland, Brittany, and Wales. I'm in. I'm all in. With illustrations by Kate Forrester. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Those illustrations are wonderful. I'm sorry, Kate. Uh, I'm uh, trying to be funny. I don't, I'm, I don't mean it. If you'd like to get this book, you can go to bookshop.org slash shop slash Goldberry Books, and you can search for it on there. Uh, it's, the story, Graham, is called The Kildare Puka. The what? The wait, what? The Kildare Puka. <laughs> okay. Is this a dance? It's from Ireland. No, that's the polka. This is oh. the puka. Because I've done the Kildare polka <laughs> a lot, and I did not want to read a whole story about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. well, and you know, I, I've been meaning to talk to you about that, but we'll save that for off the air. Really, what I want to tell you, though, is that you're not great at it, and please stop. But I have a whole podcast dedicated to it. Well, 
uh, we'll talk about that too, but we'll do that off the air. <laughs> really, what I want to tell you is please stop. Okay, so here's the Kildare Puka from Ireland. Once upon a time, there was a big manor house in County Kildare, whose owner was often out of the country on business. When he was away, the servants were left alone to keep up the house, and sometimes they would let things go a bit more than they would have if their mm. master had been home. Yep. Typical manor house behavior. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Seriously. But as if the kitchen were rebelling against being left in disarray, the servants would often hear at night a frightful banging of the kitchen door and clattering of fire irons, pots, plates, and dishes. Um, have you read this before? Is this scary? Is this a is I'm is this too scary? Uh, no, it's not. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Dude, I want to turn the lights on. It, it's gonna be fine. The longer this went on, the more terrified they all became. I promise, it's gonna be okay. Mm. And none of them dared to enter the kitchen after the fire had died down at night. One evening, they sat up ever so long by the fire. However, telling each other stories about ghosts and fairies. They talked so long that the little scullery boy fell asleep right there, curled in the hearth. And he didn't wake when they all trampled off to bed. That sounds wonderful. Well, wait, hold on. So they left him there? Uh, yeah. They're like, he's fine. He's a scullery. <laughs> he's right. He's a scullery he's boy. Where he belongs. Later, after they were all gone, no offense to any scullery boys listening, he was awoken by the noise of the kitchen door opening. Startled and suddenly afraid, he peeped out from the hearth. And what should he see but a big donkey standing and yawning before the dormant fire? The boy was about to come out from his hiding place and lead the animal back to the barn when he saw it look around, scratch its ears, and say, I may as well begin, first as last. The poor boy's teeth began to chatter, for now he knew this was no ordinary donkey, but a puka. Now he's going to eat me, surely, the boy thought. But the puka had something else to do. He stirred the fire, and then he brought in a pail of water from the pump and filled a big pot which he put on the fire. After that, he lay down by the fire, so close by the scullery boy that he dared not breathe. At last, the pot boiled, and the puka rose again and began a flurry of activity. There wasn't a plate or a dish or a spoon in that kitchen that he didn't fetch and put into the pot. He washed and dried the whole set as well as any kitchen maid and put them all on the shelves again. And he gave the floor a good and thorough sweeping. The last thing he did was to rake up the fire, and finally he walked out, just as nonchalantly as he had come, giving the door a good slam as he went. Well, there was a hullabaloo the next morning when the poor scullery boy told his story. Hullabaloo, not a lazy word. No. The servants could talk of nothing else the whole day. One said one thing, another said another, but one lazy scullery girl said the wittiest thing of all. Well, says she, if the puka does be cleaning up everything that way when we are asleep, what should we be slaving ourselves for doing his work? So said, so done. Not a bit of a plate or dish saw a drop of water that evening, and not a broom was laid on the floor. Everyone went to bed soon after sundown. Next morning, everything was as fine as fine in the kitchen, and the Lord Manor might have eaten his dinner off the flagstones. You know, a- I mean, I kind of get it. But Like the, a magical cleaning uh, creature? Let him do his job. Let him do it. Yeah, it's like I, when, I would let him do it. It's like when little kids go to bed, and the next, when they wake up in the morning, the house is cleaner than it was when they went to bed. Hmm. wonder who does that. The puka. Probably a puka. Okay, so it was a great relief to the servants, and everything went well until the scullery boy, who was now proud of his adventure and had forgotten all his fear, declared that he would stay up one night and have a chat with the puka. He waited by the fire in plain sight this time, and to tell the truth, he was a little daunted when the door was thrown open and the puka appeared. But he plucked up his courage and he said, Good evening, sir. Good evening, said the puka. 
If this isn't taking a liberty, said the boy, might I ask who you are and why you were so kind as to do half the day's work for us every night? It's a good question. It's a good question. No liberty at all, said the puka. I'll tell you and willingly. I was a servant in the time of your master's father and was the laziest rogue that ever was clothed and fed. So when my time came for the other world, this is the punishment that was laid upon me, to come here and do all this labor every night and then go out and sleep in the cold. It isn't so bad in fine weather, but if you only knew what it is to stand with your head between your legs, facing the storm from midnight to sunrise on a bleak winter night. The boy was moved, and he said, Is there nothing we could do for your comfort, my poor fellow? Well, I don't know, says the puka, but I think a good quilted coat would help to keep the life in me on those long nights. Why then, we'd be the ungratefulest of people if we didn't feel for you and give you a coat, said the boy. So the next night, the boy waited for the puka again and delighted the creature by holding up a fine, warm horse's coat before him. Between the two of them, they got the puka's four legs into the coat and buttoned it down the breast and the belly, and he was so pleased that he walked up to the glass to see how he looked. Well, he said at last, I have a long road to travel tonight. I am much obliged to you and your fellow servants. You have made me happy at last. Good night to you. As he was walking out, the boy cried, Wait, sure you're going too soon. What about the washing and the sweeping? Ah, said the puka. You may tell the others that they must now get their turn. My punishment was to last until I thought I was worthy of a reward for the way I had done my duty. Now you'll see me no more. And no more they did. Mm. And right sorry they were for having been in such a hurry to reward that puka. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to state the moral, but I'm not going to. Good classic Irish story. That just is kind of ends. <laughs> excellent. What's the, what was the name of it again? The Kildare Puka? The Kildare the kill, the kill Puka. Yeah. That, that implies uh, that there are other Pukas. Well, I assume there's a, con- there's a Concord Puka where we live. You think the troll knows the Concord Puka? I don't know, but we should probably ask him. Does the Puka visit your shop? That's what I want to know. Does the troll make the mess and the Puka cleans it up? We got a lot of extra. We got a lot of. We maybe we Man. should stay up like the scullery boy did and uh, yeah, do a little bit of research. Sorry, right. get our bookstore patterned pajamas. <laughs> book patterned pajamas. But do you have to have a fireplace for this to work? We can. We can start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're just what you need. Um, <laughs> a fire, a fire in a, fire in a place store. full of fl- they're just the most flammable material in the world. No, no, it's okay. We're we're waiting for a puka. That's what you'd say to <laughs> yeah. the fire marshal when he yeah, comes right. in. And also to all those poor books. No, you ventilate it. You open the door crack. <laughs> oh, okay. And then I see. all the smoke goes out. <laughs> I see. Well, that was a story called The Kildare Puka. Again, it's from the book Celtic Tales, Fairy Tales, and Stories of Enchantment from Ireland, Scotland, Brittany, and Wales. And it's part of a series from Chronicle Books. They have stories of all kinds of different parts of the world. Indian uh, Indian tales, East African tales, Russian tales, uh, Native American tales. There's all kinds of uh, different ones. So, great book. All right. Before we get on to the next segment, which is our author interview, I have a request. Yes. We, we did a request at the very, very, very... T- we try to end the show, and we just keep... It's like a Midwest goodbye. You know, we keep adding to our goodbye. Right. Then near the it's end, we like said... the opposite of what you and your wife do at a party. Yeah, we where you just sneak, sort of away. Like sneak away. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. So... Um, I'm going to start calling that a kill dare goodbye. <laughs> I like it. Um, so we said at the very end, like, hey, maybe, maybe everybody should draw some stuff. And that was like as we were leaving. Um we do want to see your drawings, and mm-hmm. I think drawing a Kildare Puka would be really cool. That's a great idea. Uh, last week, we had a Custardy Dragon. Uh, uh, that would be really cool. Yeah. What else do we have? A, a coaster? A uh, Coop-de-loop? A Coop-de-loop. 
Um, that'd be great. Uh, you know, something we've never involved in the drawing uh, for the kids is Logan. Maybe we get a picture of Logan maybe banging his head against his computer as he listens to our terrible <laughs> jokes. Or, or uh, what else? Just crying. You want pictures of Logan crying while listening to this podcast? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, because he's like, why? Why do they keep doing such bad jokes all the time? Okay, um, well, if you... Or, no, <laughs> okay. or, or Logan is editing the podcast and a uh, puka is cleaning up next to him. Maybe what happens... You know, Logan is kind of like the 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 Withy Windle puka. Oh, because he's cleaning up all he's our cleaning mistakes. Up all our mistakes, yeah. Don't give him a coat. He'll leave. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna have to think through all of it's this. Like but Dobby, we, uh, we can't ex- give him anything. Exactly. exactly. No clothes for him. <laughs> uh, we'd love to see your drawings of any of these sorts of things. So you can send those at podcast at goldberrybooks dot com, or you can uh, you can even I think you can even upload a post uh, over uh, as a comment on. No, email them to us, and email, then we'll and post, then we'll post them. them. We'll okay, post perfect. Them. Yeah. So go, uh, podcast at goldberrybooks dot com. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll tell you about Daniel Nyery. Okay, we are back, and it is time to tell you about Daniel Nyeri. But before we do that, we want to remind you about a new book from Moody Publishers. It's called Out of the Shadow World. And you might recall that it is about 10-year-old Pax Jackson. Good name. I've said it before. It's a good name for a kid's book. And he doesn't know what's going to happen to him because he's sick. And he's about to embark on an unforgettable adventure. At their favorite climbing tree, Pax and his best friend, Janie, meet Wilmer, a comical bellbird who introduces them to a magical realm of delight and bewitching creatures. The children sail a vast sea, navigate a frightening forest, and summon a perilous mountain in search of a mysterious man who might be able to heal Pax. But will they be thwarted by the malevolent weeping willow, a horde of bumfuzzles, or the dragon snake? These kids are going to face their fears and the lurking evil that threatens to destroy them, while also contending with some of their own inner struggles. Pax and Janie return to their world with newfound joy and hope, which you can learn about when you read this book. It's by Colleen Chow, who masterfully weaves a tale of suffering and joy, and children will be captivated, developing empathy and maybe even a tiny bit of theology of suffering that equips them both to face different circumstances, especially the difficult ones, and learn how to experience hardship, Um, which in a way sounds kind of sad, but also hopeful. Join Pax and his best friend Janie on a journey to the magical realm of delightful and bewitching creatures. So, this book is out May 2nd, and uh, it's for kids roughly 8 to 12, and it's available at moodypublishers.com or wherever books are sold. Bookshop.org. I cannot wait to read this book. It sounds really good. Out of the Shadow World by Colleen Chow, again, um, May 2nd. So, go get your hands on that book. Um... Post haste. Do you remember, David, when you first came out of the shadow world and into the, this world? I feel like that happens to me multiple times every day. <laughs> Do you? No, I can't remember that far You don't back. remember when I came out of the shadow world? No. I just remember a lot of soot. That sounds vaguely familiar. It does sound vaguely familiar. There's a lot of soot coughing, and then when you finally, like your raspy, concrete, gravel voice emerged, and you said... Get where are the starburst? 
then I was like, ah, oh, I think we'll be friends. I think maybe you're th- this was you. You're thinking about yourself. that's how I wake up every morning. Like <laughs> 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 come out of the shadow world, asking for candy. Well, you know what? You know who's not in the shadow world? I do. Daniel Nyeri. He's not in the shadow world. He is the wonderful author of a new book called The Many Assassinations of Samir, the Seller of Dreams. But of course, he's also the author of the very popular Everything Sad is Untrue, um, The Elixir Fix. He's got a whole bunch of stuff. And he, and as you heard, you can hear on this conversation we're about to have, he's got a bunch of things in the works. So Daniel, you might remember, he was born in Iran and he spent some years as a refugee there uh, uh, before immigrating to Oklahoma at the age of eight with his family. Um, he's the winner of the Michael L. Prince Award, the Christopher Medal, and the Middle Eastern Book Award. And uh, he's a big fan of food. And so as any conversation with Daniel Nayeri involves a lot of food and this one is no different. So, so I, I, I rarely want to tell people to stop the episode yeah. and go listen to a, a different episode of a podcast, but it's our podcast. <laughs> so go 20 episodes back and find the other Daniel Nayeri podcast. That's so we, a great well, it's the interview. same Daniel Nyeri. It's same, just a different yeah. conversation with the same guy. Yeah. You could listen to that first. Actually, no, maybe listen to this first, get some clues or references, and then go back and listen to the other one. And don't forget also, of course, that his recipe for his rice pudding, which I think he mentions in this conversation, is available over on the Substack page as well. So, all right, that, that's it. That's the end of the intro. I feel like we like to let Daniel speak for himself. So here's Daniel Nyeri. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, we are, we are back. For the second time now with uh, Daniel Nyeri, author of some of our favorite books, all around good guy and uh, great conversationalist and uh, and foodie. So we're excited to chat. Inevitably, we'll talk a lot uh, about plenty of food, I think. But Daniel, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just I can't seem to not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a couple books that have come out recently. I think one is uh, some novellas that were... Was that reissued? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a 10-year anniversary. See, that's amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the... Uh, the new book. And we're gonna let you talk about all that. we got questions about it. The kids sent in questions before we do that, though, we got to go back to our, uh, our very important opening question that we ask everybody. Now we asked you Cheetos or Doritos last time. Your answer was some kind some form of spicy Doritos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so the question that I have now is in the year since we've spoken to you, has that, has that changed at all? Or are you still going for the spicy Doritos? I feel like spicy has become a super trend since last we talked. Everything I see is like fire flavor, you know, yeah. like David's sunflower seeds are, are running that, that stuff these days. So I'm, I'm a little yep. bit off of it. I'm wow, a little okay. bit off of it. I'm, I'm more, I'm doing a lot of dill these days, you know, like dill flavored potato chips are oh, yeah. coming on. I feel like it's a trend and I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the, maybe not the forefront. But there's dill flavored sunflower seeds, you know. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in a lot of places, and I'm I'm up for it. I'm I'm I, ready. I'm I'm assuming you see the correlation between you being on our podcast talking about fire fa- flavored foods and the whole country taking off in that direction, right? So, yeah, right. Uh, and that I usually, do see it. I'm planting a seed. Yeah, uh, and so the I mean, David always has all these food follow up questions. What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? But we talked for like 15 minutes last time about food. We remember Yeah, we did. We remember you. We remember all your favorites. We remember the the high-end pizza, Amadeus, 72% chocolates. Uh we love uh, uh we, we remember your love of caramellos. <laughs> I have a feeling and, Graham's uh, about to ad lib here. 
and 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 nutty buddies and sour patch kids and raisinets and dark chocolate pecan pie. We we don't need to get into any more of this. Uh, I'm gonna put we're putting a stop to it. We we want we want less positivity. We want more. Did you see dirt. Daniel's face though? He wanted to weigh in there. He wanted to weigh in. He no, had yeah, I have so many thoughts. No, I have so many other no. thoughts. What about the fruit based pies? We haven't even talked about cobblers, my friend. No. There's, we want there's we like want more episodes to go. We want <laughs> well, you have to come back in the future. Yeah, we want the nitty gritty and the dirt, and we want you to throw shade. So instead of your favorites, okay. I want you to talk about <laughs> your least favorites. You need to tell us right now, least favorite chip. Go. <laughs> least favorite chip. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Uh, a flavorless chip that, I, I mean, okay, look, plain potato chips. I don't even know who's purchasing Lay's plain potato right. chips. But for goodness sakes, stop. Stop manufacturing this stuff. All right. Um, what, what, a corn is, chip has a one use and one use only. Of course, it's for chili, corn chip pie. If you're serving me corn chips without the chili and the cheese on top, also get that out of there. Okay. Um, <laughs> what about salsa? What about salsa? I'm I'm in the greens on that one. Some of this peach salsa business. I don't want to yeah. see. I don't want to see a a bean in a salsa. Like, don't get those black beans out of there. Mm. Corn, maybe. But I'm into the I'm into the green salsas. I'll be I'm, I'll go. I'm gonna go. I will I will uh, spit fire for you, Graham. I will. There's so many hot takes I have on food. We can go to the grocery <laughs> store and get me canceled tomorrow. All right. Oh, let's... Mark, okay. So sometimes you need to come to town and we do one video in the shop where you talk about books that you like, and then we do another. Oh. Where we go grocery shopping together. <laughs> right. I love this. All right, <laughs> All right. Uh, Daniel. All right. Tell us. Tell us what the worst chocolate bar is. Oh, Hershey's easy. Mm, okay. You know, in the chocolate community, like 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 chocolate jerks will actually. So there's a secret to Hershey's, and um, when it first came out, the European chocolatiers had a really snobby um, phrase for it. They called it barnyard chocolate, and the reason was <laughs> that they believed that the secret recipe of a Hershey bar and why it has the sour flavor, like more than usual, is that it was made with curdled milk. That conspiracy theory is still alive like some people think hershey's uses curdled milk uh i'm not even sure that I, I feel like it could be true it's it doesn't taste good and once you taste it after you realize curdled milk could be in there you'll never not think about that again yeah all of our pennsylvania listeners just turned it off but i i apologize i apologize oh, also for what it's worth uh mars isn't really hitting on all cylinders either and cadbury <laughs> has been on a slide i mean cadbury of the mass market chocolates used to be top tier ah. now those eggs are are just not not so good anymore i don't know what's going on so it's we're in a, we're in a real doldrums of mass market chocolate i feel like we need help lake champlain is trying to pick it up Green and black is trying to pick up some of that slack, you know, um, but uh, it's a tough time. Man, if you're in Texas, H-E-B generic brand grocery store chocolate is actually really solid. Do you like Milka? Huh? Do you like Milka? So that's it. So Milka is, has an issue, which is that a lot of Europeans, category is the same way. Their milk chocolate is about 10% more milk than ours so like we would run a milk chocolate with like a 50 percent dark is what milk is in america um sometimes milk i think is like 40 35 milk is like pushing it when it comes to that like it's almost white chocolate mm-hmm. when it comes so the short answer is i will eat anything you put in front of me including every word i have said <laughs> all the brands i've said i will make s'mores out of 
No, I'm not. I'm not above eating them. I'm just. I know what I'm eating. Graham. So Daniel doesn't live that far from us. I think if he, even if he can't come to to Goldberry, we need to go to him and yeah. we need to bring. We need to do blind taste tests with him <laughs> of chocolate and have him rank them and have him tell us what they what they are. I, mean, I feel like I feel like the internet is asking for this. <laughs> I agree. All right. All right. Last one. All right. Give us a candy <laughs> hot take of of something you find despicable. So candy in the technical term is a lot of, so candies are like hard candy and then like sugar candies, right? Mm -hmm. Almost, I find almost all of that to be trash these days. Like, uh, because most people don't like, you know what I mean? When I say that, like, like the candies are things like circus peanuts, you know, those like, peanuts, like <laughs> Oh yeah. Peanuts, we know what circus peanuts are. Okay. That kind of junk or like, um, <laughs> Gra <laughs> Graham's going to get. Graham, am I hurting like, you right now? That's like Graham's like most embarrassing food take, in my no. opinion, is that he likes he'll eat those things. And I I'm know, not with him. I know, so, you know I know they're not good. I just love them. Graham. Probably some nostalgia <laughs> going on there. I know they're I'll not be, even technically like, like food, probably. It's fine. Don't worry about they're it. They're not. I'll, like the, your insides are lined with something that I couldn't even I, you won't melt in a microwave, I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you are um like what do you keep around then like you're, you're yeah. all this stuff is trash you'll eat yeah, anything that's put in front of you but like when yeah. you go to the store what yeah. are you bringing home to snack on while you're working on a book or you're writing or you're hanging drywall in your house it sounds sure. like uh, it so sounds as like i said like nothing fun that's what i would say <laughs> nothing how dare you no i mean as i said i mean just no look knowing you're eating trash doesn't mean you can't enjoy eating trash so let's be clear there but <laughs> yeah as i said what i bring home like reason is a really still really good their dark chocolate is nice their caramel is nice that's a that's a great snacking candy as far as i'm concerned um as I, I love raisinets you can't beat that chocolate covered cherries across most brands are going to be good because cherries are so expensive that it's just already oh, kind yeah, of a yeah. nice product. Um, yeah. What else? I mean, I'll eat, I'll eat all kinds of stuff. Um, and then, and then like, you know, the brownie stuff, there's a lot of good candies right now. Like they'll, they'll package brownies tend to be solid because it's really, mm. they don't go stale that easily. Like brownie bark is good, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm so, not too snobby. Like I can find anything in a grocery store. Caramellos are amazing. That's an old Cadbury brand. So it's fruit. And so nut. let's imagine that you're, uh, it's one of those last meal scenarios. Okay. What is, we're just thinking dessert in general. And then Graham, after this, we need to move on from food. Um, <laughs> for, it's like a last meal, a desert Island meal, whatever they, whatever phrase you want to call it. What is the dessert that you are eating? So to me, the best desserts are if you've got like a nice farm fresh cream, like a good heavy cream, mm -hmm. and you just whip it with the tiniest amount of sugar, like just mm -hmm. nice. If you've ever had good whipped cream from home, mm. that with any like fresh fruit, again, if you're getting it fresh, that's like the best. So like the best ones are like really light cheesecakes with fruit toppings, mm -hmm. Um Creme brulee is a, just basically a really simple custard. Like rice pudding is just based anything that depends on the cream with like fresh fruit is awesome. I'm, to see, I'm totally with you on this. This yeah. is like uh, for my birthday, I ask, especially when I was a kid, I would ask for rice pudding. That's what yeah. I want instead of cake. Yeah, sure. Still, still feel that way. Any of those light things are awesome. Yeah. What about if you cut a Twinkie in half and squeeze out the cream out of the mill middle and put it <laughs> on top of a, a circus peanut Oof. and then make a sandwich yeah. out of it? 
you know, I've only got a day left, so I may as well try it. But it sounds like <laughs> in this hypothetical, I'm not going happy. <laughs> uh, but people will talk about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> all right. should have they like. This is all it's all in the category of not good for you. So just have whatever your mouth enjoys. I'm not I'm not trying to police anybody. So, Daniel, your new book, um, we want to give you a chance to maybe just do like an elevator pitch for it. So the new book is uh, The Many Assassinations of Samir, the Seller of Dreams. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Sure. So it's set on the 11th century in the Silk Road. And the Silk Road is this like giant network of trade routes that go from far eastern China all the way to Baghdad. So that's like the majority of the Asian continent. And, and these trade routes have all these major cities kind of along them. And they all had different, um, you know, like products that they would sell. And so merchants would go back and forth, you know, trade, you know, buying goods in one place and then traveling across giant chunks of, of the planet and selling them there. And in the 11th century, this is when like, all, you know, more religions and people groups and, and languages are being spoken there. It's a really metropolitan kind of environment. And, and yet it's happening in like just the most remote deserts in the world. And so the story goes that there is this merchant who's been traveling from village to village and he's been swindling people. He's a con artist. He's a hustler. He's a liar. And his name is Samir, the seller of dreams. And at the beginning of the story, um, you find out two things. First, the narrator, the main character of the book is a little boy named Monkey, and he's about to get um, stoned to death when in comes swaggering Samir, and he hustles these monks who are about to stone the young man, and he he buys Monkey into his service. And so you have this odd couple because Monkey, the young man, um, does not respect Samir. He thinks he's an unserious person. He thinks he is unscrupulous and should not be behaving the way he is. And at the same time, we find out that all those villages that Samir had swindled had not appreciated it, and they each hired a different assassin to come and so kill it's just it's your Samir. version of Midnight Run, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's um, it's yeah, it's a comedy action adventure romp across the Silk Road. Monkey has to save his master over and over again from all these different types of killers, like a Mongolian gunner and a um, Hessian berserker and the Roman legion. And and every time he saves him, he's like negotiating for how much that was worth because he's trying to earn back his freedom. And and at the very top, he sort of tells the reader, this is my testimony to uh, because um, because of all those killers, I was the one who ended up doing the deed. So Monkey is kind of giving his testimony to the authorities of how he killed Samir, the seller of dreams. So we get this question from Gabe, and he wants to know how you thought up this main character. Where did this, where did this come from? <laughs> this is a character that is, um, I really wanted to do justice. He's kind of like my dad, um, mm. but he's a lot like people, a stereotype that I think people have seen a lot. If you've seen the like the animated movie of Aladdin, you know, um, that like the genie at the beginning is posing as a salesman in like a bazaar and he's like trying to sell you everything. And he's like in your <laughs> face, that kind of like salesman in a Middle Eastern bazaar who's kind of in in your personal space and a little bit too solicitous and like kind of shady. You feel like, you know, he's they're a little <laughs> bit like a used car salesman, which is a character we know of here in the West. That character is really fun. He, I, You meet them. If you ever go to a bazaar, it's not a... 
you know, it's not in, inaccurate. It's how they they behave. Um, but I wanted to sort of show a side of what that was. I didn't I didn't want it to just be like, oh, look, he's a shady, you know, lying criminal. In fact, um, there's there's an art form to this stuff. Haggling is an art form. Selling and buying and the stories that go along with it. This is all kind of a um, a culture that if you will, if you're willing, if you're thinking it's going to be like Target and you just walk into a bazaar and buy some towels and walk out for like a price that's written on a price tag, <laughs> you are not going to enjoy your experience. But if you walk into one of these bazaars and and know that before you buy the towels, you're going to have to sit down and have tea with the guy and have like an hour long, you know, get to know you storytelling session. And then you have to haggle and like bring the price down and he's got to act offended. And then you have to act offended. And it's it's all part of a, almost a drama a theater that you put on for each other. I promise one, you'll have a really good time. You'll have a story to go back home with, and you'll have really good towels for a good price. Like, you're not going to get um, necessarily swindled, but it is, it's, it's sort of a very different way of interacting. And so I wanted to have that kind of character. I wanted to have somebody who had mm -hmm. full of bluster and, um, and to show his soft side to show that like, you know, this sort of Middle Eastern man is, has this really fatherly um, nature to him. He really mm -hmm. cares about, he saves monkey's life and he, and he, who is a sort of what he, you know, an orphan, and then he just really cares for him and and shows him in the book, it calls it the expensive and the expansive nature of love. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's odd to have that. It's, it's odd to, I think, you know, that's not a character you see very often as sort of a nurturing, you know, old Middle Eastern guy. Um, so I thought it would be, I thought it'd be unique. Yeah. 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 So staying. Yeah, I think uh, you got another. Oh yeah, staying within this story, uh, Quinn wants to know. He's asking, "Are the Zoroastrians real?" Oh sure, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the <laughs> oldest religions in the world, and you know they are sort of colloquially sometimes people will call them fire worshippers, but they are they are very much you know they've been around Iran since way before the 11th century, and and they do have what we would call like a Manichaean religion or a dualist religion, which is to say you know this um, the the world is sort of two opposing forces of light and darkness, and they are you know in some ways in balance when they are conflicting with one another. Um, this is this is a big part of a lot of Persian culture. A lot of our holidays are kind of um older Zoroastrian holidays. Um and this character is not is sort of a little bit to the side of Zoroastrianism. He's sort of pitched as not exact they never say what he is because there are quite a few dualist religions and sects all throughout um the Middle East. And so it's not exactly Zoroastrianism, but we use it as like a shorthand in the book in, because it's a pretty close approximation. And some a part of the themes in this are that Samir is constantly changing his religion in order to ingratiate himself to people. Um, so he sort of almost doesn't care. Uh, he's, he's kind of, um, he's sort of accepting monkey for, for, you know, more than just that. Um, but yeah. So we have a question here from Sarah and I believe Sarah is an adult and she says, what was your exposure to this kind of middle Eastern storytelling? How did you absorb so much about the culture since you didn't, you know, you didn't spend your whole childhood there. Mm -hmm. She says she's curious because her husband is from a similar culture and moved here at a similar age and has very little knowledge of or connection with that culture. So she wants to know, 
were you close to family members who were amazing storytellers or was is your writing and the storytelling an extension of your own research regarding your background uh definitely both right a little from column a a little from column b i i was um yeah i left when i was five so very young although you know by the time you're five all the times you've sat in someone's lap and listened to a story are yeah. almost over and mine were all of that kind. So yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that's how I started out. Um, my dad on the phone is this guy entirely. So I should point out that I had a pretty good, um, you know, reference there with my dad in general. Beyond that, I mean, once I became a writer um, and, you know, in college and things like that, um, that's where all my reading was. That's where all my, you know, research, movies, you know, that sort of thing. So um, in a lot of ways, I've also just grown up into it because it's what I see and um, when I'm doing my my work and research and reading. Um, so I, I would say both. Uh, you know, you, you I don't know of anyone who kind of just by osmosis takes it all in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. You know. To get that, like reads the sense of reality and lived in this you'd have to do some research right even if you lived there you'd have to do some research i imagine yeah i mean unless you're completely just doing an oral tradition of just yeah, folklore yeah, yeah. you know you're just gathering everybody's like um whatever whatever it is they talk about around a campfire or around a tea uh set like yeah you could do that but i mean even you know it, it's another way to think about it was it would be you know as someone born and raised in oklahoma wants to write you know, a great Western film, you're still probably going to do some, some yeah. background, some research. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I, I question your, skill, your, <laughs> your approach, but then again, do, do what you like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. you got one? So Jesse is asking, and this question might, might uh, gum up your brain with so many answers that you're having a hard time to pick one, or maybe you have one off the top. Uh, she's wondering, can you recommend a folktale or fairy tale from Iran or any other countries? And bonus points if there's a lovely children's picture book that retells it. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh yeah, I did it. I think I just saw his mind get yeah, gummed up. Yeah, that one's, that one's a big question. So, you know, I'll give you a couple, just kind of, I'll give you just sort of a, a quick overview of them. Um, some of them have picture books, some of them don't, right? Um, so the Arabian Nights were actually kind of developed there in, in phases is another way to put it, or collected in phases is maybe the best way to put it. Originally, around the seventh to twelfth centuries, um, they were being collected and they were there was only about seven core stories and they're they're lesser known actually they're they're the core stories but when someone says Arabian Nights the big ones are the ones that came later for pe for people which would be Aladdin Ali Baba and the 40 thieves and Sinbad those are kind of the the almost what I think of as the heroic stories the stories where a character is smart and good things happen because they're smart and clever and adventure ensues and it's not so chaotic the the first seven or or and and earlier those stories are they're a little bit more like folk tales chaos where a fisherman just like finds a genie in the bottle and the genie comes out furious because he's been in there for thousands of years and come and says i'll kill you if, unless you tell me a story um those are wonderful they're a different kind of style the heroic ones i really enjoy as well like sinbad i've been reading a lot of lately as a folk piece of just, if you're looking for just folk tale from Iran, 
we have a couple birds that we are a very much um, a culture that has a lot of folktales around birds. So hmm. I'll give you three of them. One of the Attar, um, the poet uh, wrote one, a, a, a folktale called The Conference of the Birds. Hmm. And I'll give you a book that you should order from Goldberry Books called The Conference of the Birds, illustrated by Peter Cease. Peter Cease is an Eastern European illustrator who has won the Caldecott um, and is has gorgeous, distinctive, um, hand done, uh, um, artwork that you will, you'll probably, you might recognize when you see it. Um, and he did a version of the conference of the birds that I love. And then the other two birds that we sort of, we, that's just more of a big myth about this occurrence that, uh, called the conference of the birds. But, um, the other two, of course, is we think about phoenixes and rochs, uh, or rock RC birds mm-hmm. a lot rock birds are giant they're huge they're the king of the birds and phoenixes of course are fire birds that you know flame out and then come back to life from their ashes so we've got lots of you know myths around those two birds as well but if you're looking for one book that would be my uh my recommendation that's a great tip Oof. i had to warm up to it but i think we got there <laughs> you you got there yeah <laughs> so there okay um here's a question from francis who says um Francis loves the paintings in your new book and is wondering if you got to pick uh, the artist or if the publisher chooses. How did those illustrations come come about? Sure. So I have a really good relationship with my editor and publisher, Arthur Levine, and he and I happen to have really similar tastes. Um, so we just kind of have this, this like running thread where he'll make a suggestion and I'll be like, genius. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he appreciates that. So um, the short answer is he... When I mean, I think it was, it, it was, I know it was, um, early on, it was his first choice. He said, What about Daniel Miares? And I said, Genius. <laughs> so, <laughs> but of course, you know, these things, you know, you reach out and sometimes the person isn't available. But in this case, we were lucky enough that he was. And so it began with the publisher. And but very, I jumped aboard right away. I'd seen his work and knew how brilliant he was. Um, and then we started to see the sketches and my goodness, it was, it, it was just obvious, um, from the start. The only, the only sort of, there's not even that much, uh, that many occurrences during the art phase. Cause he was, he was just nailing it. And I was, you know, cause for me, this story is that kind of magic of like a caravan traveling across a sand dune and you get these like silhouettes of the camels and the donkeys and they're all covered with you know, uh, baggages and, 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 and products. And, and so all these people, and it's almost like a moving city and the the sun is setting and just gorgeous. Right. And he was kind of nailing all those and I didn't have much to add, but there were a couple of times where my, my nerd research had helped because there would be a tree in the background and I'd be like, actually this tree and this topography is not, (laughs) Um, not, uh, you know, as common as this other tree. And so I, I got to edit a few bushes, but otherwise, how am I going to tell that man what to do, how to do his job? He's, he's as uh, professional as it got. So it was great. So basically you created Midnight Run meets Lawrence of Arabia for kids. Yes. <laughs> well, that sounds like an amazing, you know, was that, I assume that was like your, your, uh, your vision board. I said, you know how I pitched it initially and uh, almost got laughed out of a room was I said it was um, the music man set on the 11th century Silk Road. <laughs> and someone just, they were just like, what? 
Are you trying <laughs> to are you trying to work with people or do you just want to <laughs> capsize your career? <laughs> I said, I promise it's funny. All right. Hey, Graham, a, should it, we do should we do one more and then do the quiz? Yeah, let's do it. Um okay. this one is about adaptations. And since David said one more, I'm gonna fit three questions in. Um okay, so Jesse said she wants to Jesse wants to know if you ever want to see your books made into a series or a movie. Uh and then MJ says, Who would play you? So uh, assuming um we're talking about the last book, and then uh a different Jesse says, what's your favorite movie adaptation? Okay, I have answers for all these. Uh Great. I would love for my I would love for my books to to be turned into things, especially animated things. Um n- not everything sad is untrue, sort of is uh, take that over to the side, but um, you know, the the book that was had its 10-year anniversary is called Straw House, Woodhouse, Brick House, Blow. And it is four stories and they're each in a different genre. And so, you know, there's a Western about a farmer who grows toys uh, um, and they come up alive and full of joy. And then there's a rancher who grows people and they come up like zombies and unhappy. And so the rancher lays siege to the farm and tries to figure out what it is that um, what it is that the farmer's doing that makes these toys come up so joyful. And so, you know, I can already see it. Um, you know, there's, there's another story in that book that is all about these, uh, cops who go around New York catching all the evil wishes the kids make. Um, they're called the wish police. And that one did get optioned. And, you know, for a long time, um, it was going to be an animated feature. And I was so excited. Anytime pictures, anytime they would, you know, the artists would send, um, some, you know, concept drawings or locations. I was over the moon, but these things, especially animated features take so long and they kind of die. So unfortunately, I don't think that one will see the light of day. Um, Well, maybe someday, but (laughs) I would love that. Um, Everything sad, which seems like it should probably be live action in terms of who would play me. I don't know a lot of young actors that could play like a 12 year old version of me. Um, I will say Riz Ahmed is the coolest you know, uh, dude that I wish I looked like. So my adult self could get played by him um, in a very aspirational way, <laughs> very Hollywood. Uh, but yeah, so a young, a young kid, I, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to often with young actors, you know, they're, they're coming up and, you know, they're growing so fast that you, you very rarely get like a famous mm-hmm. child actor. What happens is they get to make yeah. their debut and then they go from there. So you probably do a search for that kind of actor. And then lastly, you asked, um, just favorite adaptation in general. Oh, big fish is so good that I think people forget it's an adaptation as a, as a movie. Oh yeah. Princess bride is so good that people forget, even though I, the book, believe it or not, is better. If you can get it, get the book, get the illustrated edition. I worked on that. Um, and it's illustrated by a illustrator, by the name of Michael Manomivable, and it is gorgeous. What did you do on that? I was the so back then I was at HMH, and the, the 25th anniversary edition was coming out, and I was like, "Can we illustrate it?" And they said, and my editor said, "Yeah." And so I, I worked with uh, her name is Jen Johnson, is the um, the editor of uh, the book side. I was the digital side, and so we paired together. I pitched Michael because I'd met him at a, a art conference a, a year before. And she said, "Oh my gosh, we love him." So I got to I got to call of an artist's dreams. It's the Princess 
first I call him, I said, Michael, you don't know me, but you know, we met a long time ago. I got your card. I love your work. And you know, you know, blah, 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 work at HMH. We have this edition we'd like to do. And you would be the first person to illustrate the princess bride. And uh, he goes super quiet. And I was like, uh Oh, what's, what's happening. And he said, uh, do I have to have seen the movie? Because <laughs> yeah. I can't. He goes, because I can't. I said, absolutely not. Do not watch the movie. I have found, I've struck gold. The one artist who has not seen and would not be <laughs> totally, you know, hampered by having seen Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright Penn. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so he he promised not to Google it or look at the movie. And he only read the book. And as a result, the illustrations don't look anything like the movie yeah like, i definitely like, have seen that book we have in the shop yeah like prince humperdinck is a compl- does looks nothing like the actor um and i i thought that was really fun um especially for fans of the book not to have a this s- giant movie kind of looming over it especially since some of the the looks in that are a little like 1987 <laughs> a little bit a little bit the, the little ponytail still works for 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 wesley but i don't humperdinck's hair is a little Oh yeah, <laughs> a little per- permy, <laughs> a little permy. That's true. Um, yeah, so I would say those two are the best adaptations. I can't think of anything better than those. Clue is a great adaptation of a board yeah. game, of course. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like board games is another topic we could talk with Daniel about extensively. Indeed. But but for now, I, you know, da- here's the deal: you can have to write another book so we can have you back on and talk about new topics. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so Graham, it's quiz time. What do you got for him? Okay, quiz time. Let me find my quiz. Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. He he told me he spent forty hours working on this quiz, Daniel. Okay, all right. It was a full time job. <laughs> it's not <laughs> so great. I did not do that. I spent more time than justified on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> this this uh, last time, Daniel. I think we did a patchwork quiz. It was kind of all over the place. We talked about. Uh, we talk, what did we talk about? We talked about Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, we talked about Jean-Claude Van Damme. It was, it was everywhere. This time, more focused. We're a little more focused. Okay. Um, so we are playing off of um, your new book, and we are going to do a dream quiz. Oh, I love it. All right. Because, of course, it's on brand. It's, <laughs> it's on brand. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Most of these are multiple choice. I'll let you know when they are not. Uh, Question number one. Okay. A little known, but fascinating fact, which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it, uh, but most people don't, is that people dream about different things depending on what country or region they are from. Okay. So I'm going to list you four places along with four common dreams associated with those places but one of these four is not true and you have to you have to find okay. find the lie all right option a fiji the people in fiji tend to dream about peacocks uh, option b estonia the people in estonia tend to have bear dreams okay uh, option c the uk Common dream in the UK, teeth falling out. <laughs> uh, and then option D, North Carolina, Pop-Tarts. A lot of Pop-Tart dreams. A lot of Pop-Tart dreams in North Carolina. Oof. I, I'm smelling that that last one has to be it. Although British 
teeth falling out feels a little on the nose that that they they are ever since ever since of course the pro you know popularity of tea and sugar along with it there's that stereotype right uh but i'm gonna i'm still gonna go i'm gonna go with pop tarts in north carolina that makes no sense it should be pork barbecue Okay. All right. You 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 sniffed True. out the right one. It is. <laughs> although David and I, we we both have lots of pop tart dreams. We can't account for the majority of the dreams of our state being about. Really? Pop-tarts. Got it. Is it is it the sort of dream? Pop tarts look so much like tiles that I. Is it you walk <laughs> into the shower and you turn on the shower and then you realize it's melting around you and that the. Dude, this tiles is why this guy's a good a good novelist. Right there. Right there. Just, that just he just that just came out. <laughs> all right wait are you number. so mm. so the you're saying the answer is pop tarts oh for sure <laughs> yeah, and that was the answer the answer was, it's it's not true yes yeah you got it all right question number two during rem sleep rapid eye movement sleep um that is where your most vivid dreams happen um and that's the point where your muscles become paralyzed so you don't end up acting out your dreams um but some people spend a lot of time in the stage right before that called slow wave level three, which sounds really cool. Uh, and it's the stage of sleep where sleepwalking can occur. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which of these sleepwalking instances actually happened? All right, A, uh, sleep eating. Uh, somebody ate a midnight snack consisting of an entire bottle of ketchup. And a bowl of peach pits. Oh. Oh. B. I, I, I uh, thought you'd have been like, oh, that sounds delicious. B. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody rearranged, cleaned, and sorted her best friend's fridge all so that she could put a 25 pound bag of dog food inside of it. Uh, <laughs> or option C somebody mowed the lawn at 2 a.m. Uh, and the next morning, his wife told him that it happened, and he didn't believe her until he saw the soles of his feet, which were filthy. A, B, or C? Okay, that last one sounds like, I mean, it, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like, urban legends have that with them, right? Like, I, the, But I'm still going to, I still believe it. I think the peach pit sounds fake, because that would wake you up, right? I, I don't even know how you swallow a peach pit without hurting yourself so i'm i'm going with one a uh, ketchup peach pit for dinner as the not happen didn't happen did not happen no that you got it you got it um, all right <laughs> so it is so close to happening though somebody did eat an entire bottle of ketchup and a bowl of peaches they found the pits in the morning so yeah. okay that makes a little more sense uh, I, you know, I don't, I, I used to have a lot of weird, uh, sleep patterns as well. I would sleep with my eyes open and really scare my mom. I did too. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah she, mom, can, yeah. she describes one time I was laying on my stomach and my whole day propping my, uh, head up on a, on my sort of palm of my <laughs> hand, you know? And, um, and my eyes were wide open. So she just thought I was like staring into the unknown yeah. and it's like two in the morning and she comes, she's like, Daniel. Daniel, go to sleep. And then my head slid off my palm and just went flat onto the bed. And she <laughs> screamed. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say then your head slid off your body and floated out. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that means you were in slow wave level three sleep at that point, uh, most likely. All right. Uh, question number three. Everybody knows the dream team. Okay. That absolutely elite 1992 USA Olympic basketball team uh, consisting of. Yeah, Michael how Jordan. old were you during the dream team? Sixth grade, and I was obsessed. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like peak. You're like the peak age for the dream team. Perfect, right. yeah. I have so, like VHSs of those that team. If <laughs> Go ahead. You, if you were to put together a dream team of either children's book authors or fairy tales, who would you choose? Yeah, fairy tales or authors? To so do what? What are we doing? Like are we a hanging mount, out? Like or? a Mount Rushmore situation. You're playing basketball. Oh, no, no. a Mount Rushmore <laughs> situation. <laughs> Play basketball. I like it. It's a it's a uh, Space Jam scenario where I'm going against the Scream team. With yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, okay, let's pick. Let's make your basketball. Okay. KD uh, Camillo. <laughs> Katie Camillo would she would make everybody cry, and then I would I, we could score some baskets. She she expertly True. break everybody's heart, um, as as all her books managed to do for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so she would she would be on there on the author side. But I'm gonna go with the fairy tale Mount Rushmore if that's okay, because then do it get people angry at me. Um, <laughs> I will go no. <laughs> All right, fairy tales who can ball. Sinbad has is the luckiest. He's like the Scrooge McDuck of fairy tales. Like he yeah. doesn't, he just seven times he bankrupts himself because he doesn't know how to spend money. And all seven times he just goes back out and becomes like extravagantly wealthy again. So you got to have Sinbad level luck. I got to So I'll take him. Now I need, I need a, I need somebody, somebody pretty beefy. Uh, let's see who, who, who would that be? Mm. Well, uh, I mean, the, you know, you gotta, you just, I need a witch. You need like a, the witch, any, any grandmother basically <laughs> in the Western fairy tales. Yeah. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need grandma. So grandma Sinbad. Um, <laughs> and what else? We're going to need some clever animals. So I would say coyote. In the in sort of just the classic, you know, sort of American Indian fairy tales, you got coyotes, a good a trickster hero, I guess yeah, that's yeah, who yeah. we need. So Anansi, point guard. Point exactly. Anansi is not gonna work because you know it's a spider. That doesn't that's not a good uh <laughs> that doesn't ha- can't handle the basketball, but uh but coyote could. <laughs> uh and then and then I mean, you know, I'm staying in the States here, but uh Paul Bunyan can't go wrong. That man, oh yeah, you know, center down low. Get some rebounds. Like, he can throw some elbows. Big, big uh, John, John, John Henry, of course. Also, I mean, it's a it's a bruiser team. Uh, yeah, yeah. Henry and Bunyan. <laughs> and the, uh, those are those are up there in terms of my favorites. I'm gonna go back to Sim- I, Simbad. I adore. I love the Italian um, fairy tales that are sort of always about ordinary children. You know, I think I think it's always really i think what's brilliant about the old school fairy tales is that there's nothing particularly special about the children um and the world is exceedingly um perilous and um 
And I think it's really, it's, it's nice. I like to, I, I love watching those stories. And sometimes you get like a warning story where the kid doesn't make it, but, but a lot of times what you end up seeing is um, real like applicable survival tactics, which I think is it's very kind of wonderful. It's wonderful to read those and say like, Hey, when you see somebody, when something like this happens, like trust your gut, like don't go that way um, yeah. or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I, my favorite fairy tales, if you want a book that you should order from Goldberry book uh, <laughs> is um, Italo Calvino did a collection mm-hmm. of Italian folk tales that is like 700 pages long. Yeah. It is glorious. Not only does he, um sort of collect them but he has these little paragraphs at the end where he talks about how this story is a little bit different in the northern parts of italy versus the sicilian island because this happens and it's like a slight difference but you get to read it and go whoa like uh you know she doesn't die or like um you know she cuts her hand and three drops of blood fall in the snow and in this other version she cries and three tears fall in the snow and you go wow just that slight difference is so interesting. Um, so Italian folk tales by Calvino would be the the top top tier. So so one of the things that we've started doing on this show, starting with season four, is the first few seasons we would do a book and we talk about a book the whole season. What we started doing last season is story time. So oh, Graham nice. or I surprised the other person with a with a fairy tale or a folk tale or something. Yeah, we may have to do some of these Italian. Uh, these Italian folk tales, Graham, and maybe even the uh, some of maybe maybe a Sinbad story or something. Oh, that'd be great! It's a treasure trove. Like I, I have it by my bed. I read it constantly. Graham, is that the end of your quiz? It is not. Oh, we'll keep going then. Are you I was, ready? For I was, I was tracking for an A plus. Yeah, he's sure. doing great. Oh, uh, this will screw you up. All right, famous ideas that came in dreams. All right, we've all had an idea or two that has come come to us, you know, in our sleep. But um, did you know some of our premier scientists, inventors, and artists' biggest achievements came to them in their sleep? Okay, so which one of these options actually was the result of a dream idea? Twilight. A dream dia. All right, <laughs> uh, number one, pizza. Uh, no. Number two, <laughs> number two, Frankenstein. Oh, uh, I, I did read the number okay, three, all right. the sewing machine, or number four, hamster garage. I don't even know what a hamster garage is. Well, it's something Graham invented. It's for you know how your hamsters run on a wheel. Eventually, they get yeah. park somewhere. Good point. It's a garage for the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, you're gonna be rich. What are you doing hanging out with us? Just just but, uh, total bums. Like you could be you're a billionaire, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is how I choose to spend my leisure. You're the <laughs> Graham Pittman? Yeah, Graham that for... one, yeah. yeah. I just assumed it was a different one. The great, the great dream venter. Dream venter. Uh, I'm gonna go with Frankenstein. I think I think among the many myths around that book was that she dreamed it that weekend, right? She wrote it in a weekend. She did, in fact, have a dream, and then the next day started on it. You got it. All right. You're yeah, running the deeply table. Deeply unfair, by the way. Deeply uh, unfair. She's 19 and writes Frankenstein from a dream. All right. Yeah. Question, also, maybe some other substances. Question five. All right. This question is called Daniel's Dreamporium. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> recently, a patent was filed in North Carolina, and gra- ground has already been broken uh, for Daniel's Dreamporium. 
an amusement park with Nyeri uh, themed rides and games like the Berserkers Bouncy House, uh, Sheep Sheep's Skeet Ball, uh, the Oklahoma Twister, that's the roller coaster, and treats such as nice. that Levantine staple, Samir's Swedish Fish. Uh, so <laughs> uh, since this is already happening, uh, if we were to give you, you know, let's say 5% of the profits and an apology on a scale of 1 to 10, how scared should we be of a lawsuit? <laughs> Not at all. I love this idea. Uh, and five percent seems low, so I'm good. We'd, we'd haggle a little bit. I think we could add a zero <laughs> there. But um, but otherwise, and as long as there's a good old school arcade, then I I'll take my life uh, long pass and free food, uh, you know, for for life badge, and I'll I'll, I'll be happy. Right? I, those will come with a deal, right? I get to just wander around and loiter well, yeah. do, my, do my writing while getting free funnel cake well that... david don't commit so we'll talk about it well uh, hold I'll on get i each was out of house and home i'll tell you I, right now. I was gonna say really we probably need to have like um he needs his own we talked about bazaar earlier he needs his own yeah. like bazaar where he can sell he can sell his own baked goods and then people yeah. can have tea with him for an hour oh yeah 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 you can work there for sure. Oh, <laughs> I see. I, the bookshop that only has my books would get a little, little same, same, but I like it. Uh, <laughs> okay, you can, you can, you can make food. Good. Okay. I can, yeah, I, yeah, this yeah. sounds, you know what, as someone, as an author, who's always wondering if, if uh, I'll get to write again, having a stable job is not, that is, is, is pretty <laughs> appealing. <laughs> I, 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 You'd be shocked how fast I'd accept that job. <laughs> we are uh, we are counting that as 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 a uh, correct answer. I'm very happy we are no longer so yeah. concerned about that lawsuit. We've been scared about that for months. Um, it's okay, officially uh, on the record. Yeah. All right. Final question. This one. Good luck. All right. Located in Washington State, south of Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest. And tucked away from view is Dream Lake. Okay, it's an absolutely stunning but hard to reach small lake in the wilderness. Uh, so now, if you were to Google the words, don't do it now, but if you were to Google the words Dream Lake Washington, you would notice this pristine piece of creation only has one review. A five-star review. This review only contains one word. Um. And it may or may not have been uh, left at 9 a.m. this morning. Uh, okay, so what is that one-word review of Dream Lake? All right, is it A, dreamy? That's exactly what I was going to guess. <laughs> is it B, tasty, C, icy, or D, turnipy? Got to be dreamy. Although I assume uh, 9 a.m. Uh, did you plan? I, now, the question I have to ask myself is, are you the kind of person who would write this quiz before or after you put a review for a dream lake? <laughs> With the review, how much real? The, the, yeah. How, how well do I know this Graham Pittman who <laughs> may or may not have added it himself? That's I'm, the real quiz. How well do you know Graham? Right, because if if you were planning clearly, I think you're an educated man, and any obvious guess would be dreamy. But being an educated man, oh, you, you would have guessed that I would have guessed it was <laughs> dreamy. So you clearly didn't clearly didn't use uh, that. And of course, turnipy makes no sense, which means that that would be my last guess. Uh, 
I'm going to go ahead, Graham, not to insult you, having already just said that the educated guess would be Turnipy, I'm still going to go with Dreamy because it's just, it's too, uh, it's too good. It's too clean. And I think of you as someone who would like to re- leave a review for others who may or may not want to go to Dream Lake that is not misleading, you know, that it was not, doesn't make them think that they're going to find a lot of turnips. Uh, so I'm going to go with Dreamy. All right, Logan. Whatever siren you can put on here that when somebody runs the table on the quiz, that needs to happen now. <laughs> it is indeed, there's a there's a five-star review here that says dreamy. Um, I love it. Was it you, Graham? Be honest now. It, the name looks familiar. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Fair enough. Uh, well, good. All right, we got it. I love it. Right. Uh, right. Get, I get something special. Does a, a, a return visit uh, for for running the table on this test? Yeah, yeah you, just, oh, no, give, you just get, send me your address and we'll mail you something. You get to work at the <laughs> right. you get to work at the amusement park uh, based on gotcha. your your incredibly hard work. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the quiz and to this week's word of the week. Daniel, you might remember this. How we have to, you know. Figure out what a word means. Uh, the bookstore troll and the now sentient uh, word of the week printer have um, stolen away to the basement of the bookstore, and they they've um, taken well, they've taken the bookstore uh, word of the week dictionary. Yeah. Uh, Graham, what are they asking for now? They've basically been holding it ransom. We have each week we're having to bring them something. So here yeah. on episode three, what is it that they want this time, Graham? They wanted the first week. I think it was power tools. Uh, last week we delivered yep. them pallets of paper, and then mm-hmm. I don't know. There seems to be a theme. Um, he wants cartridges, not not like Nintendo cartridges, ink, just as many ink cartridges as we can give them. So I already went on eBay. I have your credit card still, David. So it wasn't hard. Um, but uh, it, it almost maxed it out. But we're good. He's got. We're, we're going to well, get our word. He's got his know, ink. It's not hard to do that. Those jelly inks are very expensive. <laughs> for real. So you delivered the stuff, though, right? Yeah. So here, I've got the word for you here. I, you ordered it, but I didn't know if you'd actually given it to him. Okay. So here's the word of the week. All right. Thanks. Okay. So this week's word of the week. Hold on. Let me just uh, open it. Okay. This week's word of the week is Yarborough. Y-A-R-B-O-R-O-U-G-H. Yarborough. So you have a second to uh, think about what you think this word means. And when we come back, we're going to uh, each reveal our guesses before finding out what the truth is. All right, I'm going to walk around. All right, well, we are back. It is time to reveal what we think the word Yarborough means. Uh, Graham, you go first, and then I'll go, and then we'll let uh, our special guest go last and bet third and third in the order. Okay, uh, Yarborough. I'm I'm happy. I wasn't sure if we were you were you know we could do slang in this, and I'm happy to see some slang coming out because, <laughs> as we know, Yarborough uh, is a slang term. It's a neighborhood uh, full of rabble rousing kids. They call it a Yarborough uh, because of the sound that comes from the neighborhood. It resembles the Yarbird. You know, just that like cacophony of like, you know, like, uh, let's not do our book club at Susie's. Her neighborhood's become a real Yarborough, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds reasonable, but um, 
I think Yarborough is uh, it's a new upstart uh, brand of chocolatier from the UK that's uh, <laughs> focused on making chocolate in the 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 old school fashion with just the right amount of uh, of uh, percentages. You know, it's right. It, Daniel may or may not be an investor. <laughs> I see. No, it is the UK, but uh, it is a starchy root vegetable that you can fry just and that's where crisps come from and that's why all over the uk they have yarborough fairs because <laughs> you go up to the booth and um i get get some get some yarborough fries okay i'm gonna we're gonna reveal the answer are you ready i'm hungry okay. yeah i know right we, last, we had daniel on and now we're hungry okay well all of our answers are better than the real meaning of this word it turns out yarborough Although this is kind of funny, is a hand of cards containing no card above a nine. Ah, oh, so it's like you got a bad hand of cards. Well, I don't know. It depends on depends on what's on the floor. Oh yeah, it depends on the game. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it really does just sound like a place in English. <laughs> Daniel, this has been so much fun. We got one more for you before we let you go. Um, we've kept you for over an hour already, so we got we got to let you know let you get back to your uh, drywall hanging. Uh, what are you, are you are you working on anything right now that you're uh, you're at liberty to to tell us about? I can tell you about it. I can't tell you its title just yet, but it is a graphic novel series that I'm really excited about. Um, I've just turned in the fourth one. They're kind of they're episodic. Um, stories about kids who get caught up into different sort of supernatural events, um, sort of think think uh, Twilight Zone uh, meets Goosebumps, but as graphic novels for kids. And um, and I'm really really excited to share it with you because it's it's got it's got a pretty neat twist. Um, they're episodic, but you know they like a lot of those things. They have a host, you know, like what we used to call the horror host, like the Crypt Keeper, or um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Rod Serling did, did of course, um, the Light Zone. And these, these two hosts are particularly funny. History, science, theater, sort of. They they sit there and just make fun of the kids the whole time. <laughs> 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 so Waldorf and Sadler style, and it's a really funny. Kind of uh, thrilling, good twists at the end, episodic stories for kids, and middle grade graphic novel series. What? So what's I'm really the excited about ECA, that's next okay. year? Oh, so we can have you on again? Yeah, talk Hopefully, about board games. Yeah, or I'd love to be. Or <laughs> that would be great. Well, uh, we're fans, huge fans of you, and we appreciate you so much for coming. And best luck with the book. I know it's getting. Uh, it's getting rave reviews among the kids in my shop that, that come check it out and the families. So uh, we're thrilled to be able to talk to you. Honored. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Well, that was our conversation with Daniel Nyeri, and we're grateful to him for coming on again. He's now spent two plus hours of his life talking to us, and we're, we appreciate that. Okay, that brings us to the final segment of another episode of Withy Windle. Snack time. Well, no, we've the been eating return. snacks. No, no, no. Riddle time. Snack time, it, the sequel. That's just that's just the whole show because we're eating snacks the whole time. We're going to actually... we got to do Riddles it. and snacks. Riddles and snacks it is. That's close enough. So last week we talked about uh, Bob Dylan at a carnival. Yeah. The, the carnival worker says, if I write your exact weight on this piece of paper, then you have to give me a hundred bucks. But if I can't, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. Yeah. So... Bob Dylan says, okay, let's try it. And in the end, the man pays. You got to say, okay, let's try it in Bob Dylan voice. Okay, let's try it. Oh, you went for old Bob Dylan. Was there? 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should I have not? I don't know. I just I was just surprised by the gruffness. <laughs> it's just like it's like you're coming out of the shadow. World I've been or listening something. to more old Bob Dylan. Oh yeah. Okay. Not, not like no older man Bob Dylan. Yeah. Not the older Bob. Dylan. Old man Dylan. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the carnival. What record, does it have to? What does he have to say? What did Bob Dylan have to just said, say? Uh, okay, let's try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever done a Bob Dylan. <laughs> I just sing along to his songs. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> Old Robert. Uh, yeah, Robert, Robert Z. Okay, so anyway, he, uh, Bob Dylan did have to pay the carnival, the carnival worker the bet, but how did that happen? Well, it's because the carnival handed the man a piece of paper that said, your exact weight. It said the words, yeah. your exact, and, exact and, like, and the weight. words weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And as I said last week, I didn't, I could not remember the, the riddle answer. But as soon as the kids started writing in with that exact answer, I remembered. Oh, yes, of course. Mm. A couple childs <laughs> uh, wrote in. I think the word is children. Saying, well, there's, it's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> a couple children, uh, I mean, childs wrote in saying, perhaps there was a giant scale under the entire tent that had pre-weighed everybody except whoever came oh, in. That's clever. And then they did math to figure out the difference. Mm. I give them that a right answer a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's um, wrong, but also it's a good, it's a good it's answer. A, it's, it could be right. Yeah. We don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, should we go on to this week's riddle? Oh, of course. Our new one? Okay. So Graham, this is- this Where are you getting these riddles? You're like, you're plucking them out of everywhere. You're like a riddle fiend. For the riddle tree. Oh, where? The, where you, you pluck things from trees. You gotta so. tell me, you gotta give me a riddle to- be able to find the riddle tree so I can get some uh, of those I'll, I'll write sweet ripe riddles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk about yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that one and we'll see what we can come up with. Okay, but this week's uh, f- freshly picked riddle from the riddle tree is uh, it's a peach of a riddle. Um, <laughs> so we gotta uh, we gotta hurry up and end this show. Come yeah, on. I know, right? Okay. So Graham, this week's riddle is about. It's about a man named Carl. <laughs> Carl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Methuselah J. Carl. A Methuselah J. Carl. Right. He owns a he owns a clothing store. Oh, Methuselahs. Methuselahs. So we're on 72nd. Yeah. yeah, no J. Carls. <laughs> <laughs> Not J. Cruz. Not to be confused with the J. Oh, Cruz. J. Carls. Yeah. Oh, that's on 73rd. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when that man walks into Methuselah J. Carls and wants to to buy kind of a... He wants to buy an assortment of, of clothes. Yeah. He wants to buy... A vest and some socks and a tie and a, and like a new shirt mm-hmm. and he wants an outfit. He wants an outfit, but he also definitely needs some underwear. Not quite okay. And uh, so the problem is that Methuselah J. Carl isn't there that day, and he, but, he, but Methuselah J. Carl has his own system for pricing these items. And part of what you do when you go there is you have to figure out the total cost of everything. Yeah, it's, uh, I've been in this store. Yeah. It's very frustrating, but ultimately worth it. Because the clothes are the best, it's just the best. It's the best. It's the softest pair of underwear you're ever going to own. It's just the best. So, what's, what our guy is told, he's told this much, the vest, going to cost him eight bucks, eight dollars for a vest. Socks, ten bucks. Ten bucks for, for socks. A tie, six bucks. Okay, socks are the priciest. That's interesting. Okay. A blouse, uh, twelve bucks. Okay. 
Uh, so what they tell him is, you have to figure out what a pair of underwear is going to cost. Well, there, I, I've been in there. I've seen like they have a little sign. Yep. And it's smudged, like you can't read it. The oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because they told somebody told me once that if you go into Methuselah, they make you do the math. But that makes more sense that this person just thought that because there was they a, couldn't see yeah, the sign. Understand. Okay, and they're very bad at replacing this stuff. They they've got they got really fancy clothes to make. Right. Yeah. So the signage and the pricing. They don't care so much about you that. You got to do the work. Right. Yeah. They, if you want the best clothes in the world, you have to be willing to earn the best clothes in the world. Yeah, basically. and they're cheap. Right. That's great. It's a, it's a good yeah. So so, so okay, a vest eight bucks. Vest Socks eight. Socks, ten bucks. Socks, a tie, mm-hmm. like that you put around your neck. Six, six bucks. Six, and a blouse, for example, I twelve bucks. And he yeah. and our guy wanted to buy a, a blouse for his wife. So uh, he needs to figure out though how much the underwear is going to cost. Oh, so that's yeah. this week's riddle. We got. I help. love this week's riddle because the, the kids won't know it, but you and I know it because because of our frequency in, in this. In J. Carl's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so, a it's a confusing system, but once you've been in there a few times, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah. So what does uh, what does underwear cost at Methuselah J. Carl's? Is is the question? Um, it might surprise you compared to the cost of a vest. So that's this week's riddle. Let us know what you think the answer is by emailing podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Can I give a hint? Yeah, I think it might be helpful to write down these item names and the the price. Okay. That's it. Okay. Just saying. It might be. It might not be. That's, that's a tip. It's a tip. It's a tip. Le- it's more, less, a, less a hint, more a tip. I could be leading people astray. You know. This it wouldn't be, be the first time. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time this episode. <laughs> yeah. True. You know what? To avoid it happening again, we probably should go ahead and just end it. So, uh, Graham, this has been another fun episode of Withy Windle. Thanks to, to Daniel Nyeri for coming on. Thanks to the Cersei Press for publishing and for Moody Publishers as well. Check out both of those books. The links, as well as our Substack, are in the show notes on this episode. And uh, we are grateful to you who are listening for being part of this community, for helping spread the word, and for making this podcast such a fun time for us. Thanks also to the Crofts for a smorgasbord of delicious snacks. Graham, would you like to say anything else before we go? Nada. All right. Well, until next time then, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.